0: Our guest, speaker and author Corey Reed, is changing the narrative on gender equity. She says,
1: The world's challenges are too big to let gender limiting beliefs get in the way of innovation for unlimited possibilities to better ourselves, our families, and our communities.
0: Find out more. Join us for episode 275 of Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper.
2: This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott.
0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Pam Harper founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated, and right along with me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper.
2: Hi, everybody. It's great to join you again at Growth Igniter's Radio. As always, our purpose here is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas that can help visionary leaders accelerate themselves and bring their companies along to the next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. Now, you know, Pam, you and I have had a lot of conversations about gender equity over the years, Mm -hmm. both when we were in corporate roles and later on after I joined
0: your business. Yes. We have a value system about supporting each other and working together based upon our strengths. Yeah. But these types of conversations can be challenging
2: in a complex corporate environment. That's true. I remember early in my corporate career, I was interviewing the guy who was talking to me asked, how do you feel about working with a strong woman who has a lot of opinions? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was taken aback. Yeah, I said, well, you know, I'm married to one, <laughs> so I don't have any problems at all. In fact, it's great. We I got, got the job. I got the job offer, sure. But even though this happened a lot of years ago, this kind of uneasiness about gender equity in the workplace and elsewhere... It's still there, and many men don't talk about it.
0: And it limits everybody. Yes, it does. It's not just a woman's issue. It's a human issue. That's why we're glad to be speaking today with Corey Reed, author of the book Men in the Middle, Conversations to Gain Momentum with Gender Equity's Silent Majority. So just a bit about Corey. She's worked for nearly 25 years in Fortune 500 companies, including Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, PepsiCo, and ConAgra Brands, earning progressively responsible positions from manager to vice president. Over more than a 30-year career, her experience includes strategic corporate communication, human resources, and integrated corporate social responsibility. With an undergraduate degree in journalism and a master's degree in communication, Corey leads with natural curiosity, values meaningful connections and collaborates to make the world better, one conversation at a time. And I have to say it. I'm smiling as I'm reading this because Corey and I have been longtime friends now too. Everything that I just read about her natural curiosity values meaningful connections. It's so true. In
2: spades. In
0: spades. And of course, you can read much more about Corey's background by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 275, and scrolling down to resources. Corey, welcome to Growth Igniter's Radio.
1: Oh, my gosh. Hello, Scott and Pam. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You know, it's a joy to get to know you over the years, the past few years. But also, I've had the opportunity to also listen to your great podcast episodes with Eddie Turner and Gina Cox, and even your own quick takes. And I just, I love it. And I look forward to talking with you today. And even, Scott, you gave such a good intro into that tension that happens when we have topics we really don't discuss. And that's kind of what I love. I look forward to talking to you today.
0: So let's start at the beginning. What drove you to write your book, Men in the Middle?
1: Okay, two main reasons an observation about behaviors, and then an observation about data. So I'll start with the observations first. You mentioned I'm naturally curious. That's just kind of how I how I operate. And I observed right after the height of the Me Too hashtag, all that activity going on when women were sharing uh, stories at the water coolers and, and those voices were elevating. And I noticed many of my male peers were not saying much at all. Now, in the the media, we were hearing extreme examples of extreme behaviors of inappropriate behaviors or men doing heroic efforts in some ways, but we weren't really hearing from what I call the men in the middle. So if you think of that bell-shaped curve, it's cover of the book. It's like, that's the middle. Scott, you, you kind of embodied that in your intro today. And I was curious, but I worked in a consumer packaged goods company. We do market research all the time. And one of my friends said to me, hey, Corey, don't make assumptions. Ask about it. Find out why. And so that really intrigued me. That was number one piece. And then if we look at the data, the data shows that we know that, that C-suite positions in organizations are mainly filled by men. 75% of plus positions are filled by men. And so therefore men influence the most policies, You know, pay, promotion, other pieces. And so then I thought, well, if men aren't engaging in this conversation, if they're silent about it, how are we going to make a change? And so those two things, an observation of behavior and then looking at the data, really made me dive in to figure out more.
0: So, Corey, just to clarify, the men in the middle
1: are who? The men in the middle, I think, are the ones who can make the difference. What I would say, I would have called my book Good Guys, except that that title was already taken by some men who wrote a great book about men being allies. But really, I would say They're not the men we saw in the media that were doing inappropriate behaviors. They're not necessarily the men that are out there marching for women's rights. You know, the bell-shaped curves are those smaller, smaller. We're talking about the majority, the men in the middle who I think are great guys like I've worked with throughout my career, who actually, as it turns out, had a lot to say about this issue, but just weren't talking about it.
2: Okay. So they support it, but they aren't speaking up.
1: Yes. In the book I actually labeled them, Scott. I, you know, there's, there's two different groups. There's, there's men that said that meritocracy was important to them. So it didn't matter race, color, gender, the best talent should rise to the top. The other part in the middle were men who were actually really supportive, but just weren't going to talk about it at the office.
2: Okay. So Corey, as you did your research and you interviewed a lot of men, a lot of people, what surprised you the most?
1: Well, first of all, that the men had a lot to say, right? (laughs) Scott, I thought it was kind of like, okay, we we cast our network, we we cast a wide for our network and said, who would talk to us? And it was a hundred dollar gift card as incentive. And we promised anonymity in these interviews, because honestly, Scott and Pam, the question was, would anyone talk to us about this? And so the men that responded, let's just say I have pages of notes, right? Like recordings, pages of notes hour-long conversations because i hired a professional researcher to help me with this we had an interview guide what we found is at the beginning of course our questions were kind of more neutral like a, a good interview guide would be but by the end i think men were sharing stories scott that i was like wow and i'll give you one example what am i you know i when i say one of my favorites are so many of my favorites but one in particular was a young um a younger professional that i called and the first thing he said to me is oh my gosh i've been waiting to talk about this for the past 18 months and i was i was struck by that because again stereotypically we would say in organizations in meetings stereotypically again we have uh, trends of men talking over women and you hear about that in other pieces so i was like "Wow, he had stuff to say but wasn't speaking up after we went through the interview i asked him i said you know this is what you said in the beginning what held you back And he stopped for a minute and he paused because I don't think he'd asked himself that question. But his answer was, you know, I guess nobody really asked me. That was a really telling insight. Much like you, again, Scott, I think your intro was beautiful. You went back to these are topics we're not talking about. And many of the men said to me, gender equity is a women's issue. It's not my issue. It's not my.
2: Nonsense.
1: yeah, Scott, given the data, like we need men in the conversation. And so yeah, that's why it. I like them. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> the fact is that gender equity, you know, a rising tides raises all boats. And I'm happy to work with Pam as my CEO because she is in the right, has the right mindset and the right abilities to do that. She's a wonderful visionary. I'm really good at getting things done. So I'm the COO. Why not? No problem with that. And when we draw on the best and brightest out there, whoever they are, we're all going to benefit. And by the way, women who make a lot of money, (laughs) they bring it up and everybody benefits.
1: You know, you hit it right on the the head, Scott. And I think you and Pam are such a beautiful example of this. You know, I, I I mentioned I crafted my own manifesto after I wrote the book because I was like, gosh. But I got really excited about the fact that men and women are different by design, right? but really together a dynamic duo for change for the very reasons you talked about Scott, we all have different skills. And and just for a moment, I think Pam, you and I've talked about this. I think gender has become this beautiful mosaic right now, right? It's, it's way more involved. I am talking about a category in gender between people that identify as male or female. And admittedly, I'm focusing on a niche. We have a lot more to explore
0: Yes, Corey. I am really glad that you're bringing this up because there are going to be people listening who go, well, wait a moment. That's a very narrow category. Your response is?
1: My response is you're absolutely right. And I think because this has become such a broad, beautiful mosaic, like I mentioned, it is time to look at those niche categories. In many ways, if you think about it, and some of the research is just not mine, that men- Particularly white men are probably the least studied category in diversity because they set the norm. So if we don't start looking at those niche categories within this diverse aspect, we can't get all those views to come to light. And and what I, the reason I say that, Pam, and believe me, many of my girlfriends have said, Corey, oh my gosh, why are you bringing this up? Men have had the you know this dominant play forever. And and my point is, remember, go back to the data. Men still occupy seventy five or higher. C-suite positions in an organization. And so if they have thoughts, but they're not talking about those, we still need to engage them in the conversation if we want to gain momentum. And that's what makes me excited about raising this. And you know, I'll stop there, but I could talk about this for a long time. Well, you
0: will talk about it a little more, just to make sure that we are crystal clear about the big idea behind your book. Say it again.
1: Yes. I think that men and women... Together, to Scott's point, a rising tide lifts all boats. It is time for us to collaborate on this issue. When we have men that occupy 75 to 80% of the C-suite positions, they're influencing change. Therefore, we need men to engage in this conversation with women. And it's about us working together to what I said earlier to drive those um, unlimited possibilities for innovation change and a better tomorrow.
0: Well, this is a good place for us to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dig deeper with Corey Reed, speaker and author of the book Men in the Middle, about igniting momentum-gaining conversations around gender equity. Stay with us.
2: This is Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. As always, we focus on enabling visionary CEOs and C-suite leaders to accelerate the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth.
0: It's so exciting to be well into our ninth year of Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Absolutely. This year, we're receiving more top podcast awards. In fact... This includes the 2023 PopCon Award for Best Business, Marketing, and Tech Podcast. Listeners tell us they enjoy our conversations with visionary CEOs and thought leaders like Corey Reed, who are changing the face of business. They also really enjoy our Pam and Scott Quick Take episodes.
2: Right. So if you're enjoying listening to us, spread the good word. Just open Growth Igniter's Radio on whatever podcast app you use and write a review. And feel free to share links to your favorite episodes, maybe this one, in your social media.
0: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Corey Reed. Speaker and author of the book, Men in the Middle, about changing the narrative on gender equity. Corey, tell us how people can find out more about you, your book, and your speaking.
1: Yes. Well, thank you, Pam. So I have a website. It is coreyreed.com. My name is a little unusual. So it's K-O-R-I-R-E-E-D.com. And certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. I I love a conversation. So I I always tell people, you don't have to agree with me. I just love the conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's right there. <laughs> and you can find more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 275, and scroll down to resources. So when we left off, you were telling us about the big idea behind your book. And let's go a little deeper on that. You're such a good storyteller, something that would illustrate the benefit of of your approach to talking about gender equity?
1: Yeah. So, Pam, I know that you're a fan of Tally Shereau, neuroscientist. Yep. I think neurobiology yes. is incredible. I, what I love about her is she's got her background in economics and psychology. So what a neat combination. And I've worked in many corporations, like you mentioned, and data is it. It's data-driven decisions, data-driven decisions. What I found fascinating when I talked to the men it wasn't the data for example i asked men hey the business case for women in diversity let alone all diversity is pretty strong like it's academic research there's not it's not lightweight research here that we're talking about peer reviewed journals and the men said to me no we we get it we believe in the diverse, the business case of diversity we know it has higher financial returns we know that it leads to better innovation for product solving then they stopped and I said, Okay, if you know that, then why aren't you taking more action on it? Because I don't know any leader, you guys, who isn't focused on growth. And I know you two focus on growth all the time at Growth yes. Igniter. <laughs> yes. We and do. so it's yeah. a path to growth, right? So the data says that will lead to more growth and innovation. But what the men said to me in one on one anonymous interviews is I don't know what that means for me. And so that opened really an interesting aspect, thinking of Tally Shero's work. And I, I pulled a quote from her from the uh, 2017 Economic Forum. I loved it. When she said, we, when we first did this, we thought data drives decisions. And we said, people adore data, but it really is the emotions behind it. And so what I like to think of, it's the eight-letter F-word, feelings, right?
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. um, <you> know, <laughs> yes. Or
1: the eight-letter E-word, emotions. Yep. Those are what drive things. And and I know we talk about Brene Brown also. Right. She has a great quote about people most of the time think that your data, your logic is in the driver's seat and the emotions are in the back seat. And she said, oh, no, no, no. Your emotions are driving and your data might, logic might be in the trunk somewhere. <laughs> and I love that.
2: We make decisions with our inarticulate minds and we justify with our our prefrontal cortex. We talked about this with Tim Ash a few uh, episodes ago, the primal brain. And we talk
0: about it ourselves in terms of uh, the growth igniters paradoxes, as we call them.
1: And so knowing about, yes. And so to your, like to your great work and Pam, I know I've heard you speak and you do a great job talking about the orbit of status quo and how we break that and acknowledging we have this paradox, the tension that lives between these. That's what I found the same thing. So here we have, these leaders that are very data-driven, yet what's holding them back is the emotions that they're feeling. And we're not talking about those. And I'm not suggesting we have an emotional fast. That's not it. <laughs> but in the middle of the book, I talk about there are issues that men face that we don't talk about. And Scott, you hit it again on the head when you, when you started this episode. There's real fear, ambiguity, uncertainty. When you look at research, what men are typically, again, I'm talking to stereotypes here, known for is more rugged individualism, defying uncertainty, everything that I'm asking kind of men to engage in is what is not natural per se. But I think that's the aspect. If we acknowledge those those issues that are kind of glossed under, I use the analogy of the iceberg analogy for change management, many people were aware. But I love the English word for the below the surface. So if you're not aware that are listening, the iceberg analogy simply says the smallest part of the iceberg is above the water. That's what we talk about. What we don't talk about is what's below the water. And that's the biggest piece of the iceberg. So Titanic's the most famous example of that. But I love the British English word for that. It's called the bummock. And I write about that in the book, I'm like, what's in the bummock? (laughs) It's what will get us in trouble. And that's what's happening with these men who are like, we get the data, we know that will drive innovation, but what we're concerned about is what does that mean for me? And I think if we don't address that, we can't move forward on this issue.
2: So you write that change happens in learning, which happens in conversations. And here we're talking about conversations between men and men and men and women. Uh, What's an example of a conversation all of us need to have so that we can get over this hump of we know about it, but we don't talk about it?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think part of it is when you name something, right, that comes to life. And I think we haven't quite named this yet we've glossed over it and so i think you know it's not even to promote my book i wrote it with the aspect of questions at every chapter to actually start that conversation i tried to role model that by myself asking the question i didn't when i listened to the men like some men have said to me corey you're not a man how can you write about this and honestly i had imposter syndrome for a while and you and pam heard about that uh-huh, we <laughs> <did. Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But what happened for me is I went back and said, no, I was an observer for this. When the men talked to me on the phone, I wasn't questioning them. I asked them a question. We had a process. I asked them the same questions and I listened. And I think part of that uh, is, uh, Scott, a lot of it is teaching ourselves to really be active listeners and, and, and create a dialogue. You know, there's, there's a difference between debate, discussion, and dialogue. I think the dialogue piece is where that happens, allowing people to ask questions, I talked to a professor who, of, who teaches a lot of gender studies at Creighton uh, University close by, and she was great. She said, everyone's going to mess up in a conversation. And so how do we have grace, but allow people to have those conversations? And I even share in the book stories that, you know, I've made mistakes. Like I've, I've fallen into stereotypes, you know, I'm like, going to make fun of myself at that sense. So I, I really think, Scott, it is like what I envision someday, what I would love to see is an employee resource group where men and women are talking. Maybe they're talking about work-life balance because it affects both men and women. And that's a common area we work. how do we manage for that? We know that organizations demand a lot of people like, out way more than 40 hours a week, especially if you're in, in leadership roles. And so the research shows that that men face these issues, too. They just don't talk about them. And so how do we get open up a safe space for men to talk about these issues that affect them, too? So they can see it's common ground and not one or the other.
0: And that's what we're going to talk about next. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Corey Reed, speaker and author of the book Men in the Middle, about immediately useful ideas for changing that narrative on gender equity through conversation. Stay with us.
2: You're listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, where we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Have you ever wondered if so many CEOs think it's important
0: to lead for business transformation and long-term growth? In the rapidly changing world, why can it be so challenging to break the orbit of the status quo? Mm, We've been talking talking about about it. Exactly. As an author and advisor to visionary CEOs who often face mysterious pushback to their big ideas, that was the question that sent me on a long search for answers. So what's the secret of the great leaders? The successful visionary leaders I call growth igniters, the ones who are able to ignite game-changing business growth over and over again. What's the secret? They're able to anticipate and embrace the hidden leadership dynamics that can naturally emerge in uncharted territory. How did they do this? That's what I share in my keynote, Break Orbit, Achieving Long-Term Growth in a Short-Term World.
2: Go to PamHarperSpeaks.com today, and you can find out more about Pam's keynote and her availability to speak at your next leadership conference or executive retreat.
0: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Corey Reed, speaker and author of the book Men in the Middle, about changing the narrative on gender equity. Corey, tell us how people can find out more about you, your book, and your speaking.
1: Coreyreed.com, my website, K-O-R-I-R-E-E-D.com. I'm also on a LinkedIn, probably the best way to find me either either way. And you can find more information
0: and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 275, and scrolling down to resources. Corey, you know, we've been talking for this last almost half hour about this very complex issue, and we share a lot of commonality here. The very challenge of pulling away from what's worked so well for some people, and not so well for others. But moving into the uncharted territory that I was just talking about, let's make it easier for people. Let's start with some immediately useful ideas for changing that narrative. And we'll do it one at a time. So what's the first idea?
1: So what I'm going to do, Pam, is I'm going to actually provide this exclusively at this point for Growth Igniters on the website, because I have, and I'll break it down to three, but I love taking business tools used for other parts. So whether it's project management, other things to social issues, one of my favorite things to do. So many people know about Lean Six Sigma 5S, one of my favorite tools, (laughs) Scott, right? That whole idea. But I've come up with something called the 5Cs for momentum gaining conversations. But I'm going to consolidate three of them so when they go to three. So I'll consolidate three of those down, but I'll provide the whole sheet to put up on the Growth Igniter's website so people can see that. And it's the first time I'm talking about that officially. So I love this, love this opportunity. The first one I'd say is if we can correspond candidly. And what I mean by candidly, that doesn't mean that I can just say to Pam and Scott, this is what I think of you and walk away. That's not what it is at all. Right. If we combine those other pieces, it's really about checking for understanding and and considering corrections in the process. So, active listening is I'm listening to you, Pam, and even and you know, Pam, I've done this with you because I've been a champion of your idea of orbit of status quo and the paradoxes, but really understanding somebody and saying, oh. Let me let me reflect back what I heard from you. Does this what you're trying to say? And you and I know you've got you and have gone back and forth on email. You know? We do that, yes, yes. So I think the combination. I'm kind of combining steps one, two, and three in that sense under the five C's. But I think that idea of corresponding I can't say that today. Corresponding candidly is the idea of really trying to open up, building that trust, but checking for understanding and then actually making any corrections that are needed. So those are kind of three of those C's that come together.
0: I think checking for the understanding. Because if somebody just says, I understand, you don't know if they really understand or not. Uh, In fact, we just recently released an episode talking about staying entrepreneurial. And people have different definitions. We have different definitions about a lot of things. And so it's best to... Ensure that somebody is actually reflecting in some way, paraphrasing maybe. Scott yeah, and I do that.
2: Yeah, we do indeed. And a part of that is people talk about candor. And sometimes candor comes out as just being thoughtless and rude. You know, you're such a witch. You know, no. If, if you're going to be candid, you have to also incorporate respect. Because if you don't do that, no one's going to listen to you. Whatever your intention is, it's, it's not going to hit.
1: You are so, so right. And, you know, listening to Gina Cox's interview, you're absolutely right. That respect piece is there. And I think it, and what I'm trying to get to also, Scott, in addition to that, is kind of getting below the surface and let's go to the bummock and raise those, up, but do it in a way that's respectful. Absolutely, absolutely right in that sense.
2: Good. So, what's uh, a second immediately useful idea?
1: And by the way, just a side note, I've been married for 30 years. And when you said that, Pam, I think of all the words my husband and I don't interpret the same way. So <laughs> it
2: happens. <laughs>
0: it always happens. Yeah. It always happens.
1: But I think the other piece is creating a common ground. You know, one of the men I interviewed really gave me this insight. And I love that. See, he said, why do we start from this? place of differences, let's find common ground. He gave a really good example from history that I write about in the book. But I would say that um, that encouraging people to find what's in common, to your point earlier, a rising tide does lift all boats. And so we there are commonalities. For example, men and women report missing dinner as, as work professionals, the same. That creates the same angst for both, according to one study. But we women talk about it more and men don't. But we have that in common. And when I interviewed some of the men that were kind of older in their career, either um, CEOs that had retired or, or gone on, one of the biggest regrets they had is missing family time. Like they had given up a lot. So I think we have that in common and finding that common ground to work from versus focusing on the differences.
0: Thinking of it as a human connection, as opposed to I'm coming at it as a woman, you're coming at it as a man, whatever it is, we care about a lot of things and we may express it differently, but looking for finding that common ground, so important.
1: Yes. And I keep going back to that, you know, that eight letter F word, right? That people don't, we don't talk about at work a lot, Mm, but you're absolutely right.
0: And if somebody were to say, be on a plane, this is our, our famous, somebody's on a plane, somebody's just done with the elliptical and they want something immediate to do because these are big big issues. What could somebody do to get themselves easily in touch with finding common ground?
1: What I suggest, invite someone to lunch that's different than you. Whether it's a woman, whether whatever, you know, whatever the difference is, but in, in my case I'd say a woman and a man, public place, you know, don't <laughs> in the cafeteria, but it's really having those conversations and finding out, asking the questions, "Hey, what's important to you?" or "Gosh, what is a day like for you?" or "How do you manage after work?" Or, you know, there are men that struggle with work-life balance, too. Men love their children. I'm not, you know, that's... Oh, absolutely. We dealt late. with so that a lot. Asking, asking a woman, like, how do you manage for this? Like, how does that, how do you manage for that? And I think that there's some more commonality if we have those conversations, those simple, simple pieces of asking each other um, and learning from each other.
2: One of the big points of common ground that comes to my mind right away is rigid gender stereotypes harm men just as much as they harm women.
1: Oh my gosh. And Scott, I spent four chapters talking about that. <laughs> you're <laughs> absolutely right. I think that's the, there's this whole idea of toxic masculinity that I always say, it's not that being a man is toxic. That's not it at all. That is like, hey, we're designed, men and women, great. We, they need both of us. The idea of this, the deeply ingrained gender stereotypes, Scott, you're right, is what holds men and women back. And I think, you know, There's so many things. Ruth Bader Ginsburg did such a great job. Her first case was actually representing a man who couldn't get tax benefits because the government defined a caregiver as only a woman or a widow and not a man. And so in that case, acknowledging that men benefit from this, too. You're right, Scott. So right.
0: So we've establish that the first thing that you could do is to begin to bring up these difficult issues, find the common ground by getting curious. That goes back to Corey Reed's natural curiosity. (laughs) But idea number three, what else could we do?
1: I think really find ways to connect in meaningful ways. It's one thing to have a conversation and understand and even um, find common ground, but then how to connect with each other. And a lot of the reasons the men told me is that in the post-Me Too era, there's concern about men and women being together alone in an office, this. I read a lot about this. I said, I worked in so many male dominant environments that that I couldn't have done my job if I couldn't have met a, put the man alone. But I think connection is different. When you connect in meaningful ways, you're finding something. What are we both advocating for that can propel us forward and really when people can connect in meaningful ways that that help both of us out, going from a win-lose to a win-win situation, that's where the beauty happens, right? That's where we actually have the power and that ultimate innovation that we all want, the growth igniter's innovation, which is this collective aspect. The paradox is, and you said this a lot, Pam, that, that as we push for change, people wanna pull back. And you talk about this beautifully in your speech, and I think that idea is the same here. How do we kind of break that and find meaningful connections that are that are really about topics, are about those common ground pieces, and then we can help ignite each other to grow in different ways, to use a phrase <laughs> you're doing.
0: <laughs> that works really well. The one other thing I will say to add on to yes and an immediately useful idea is that if we are thinking about this as a human issue when we have groups that are just men and just women, I mean, women do it too. And I I hate that we are in that situation. But the more that we can begin to have groups that you've just talked about, Corey, that that kind of thing, where we're speaking together in groups about these kinds of issues.
2: Diverse groups.
0: Diverse groups is what I'm saying. I think there could be so much more. No, you're right. Here we are at the end of the episode. This is clearly a very complex topic. There's so much more to it. And your book is magnificent in the way that you explore it. You go into research. Not a light read, but it is really an important one.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to give you, let's put on the Night sites, the five Cs, because there are questions on there that could provoke that conversation, too.
0: That would be wonderful. So, that can be that third immediately useful idea. So, Corey, a final thought you can leave us with as far as changing the narrative on gender equity.
1: Well, I, I would say, remember, leadership skills are not male or female. Gender is a leadership issue. And going back to, you know, the world's challenges we're facing are really are too big. We have so many problems to solve that getting caught up in this piece doesn't help us explore these innovation and limited possibility, unlimited possibilities that we really need to do to change the world in a much better way.
0: And we can do it. We can do it. Absolutely. Corey, thank you so much for being our guest today in Growth Igniter's Radio. Really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you. This has been a a thrill. And thanks for the work you guys do. Keep up the great work.
0: And you too. We'll continue to talk.
2: Yeah, Corey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To contact us, get show notes and resource links like the link to the 5 C's handout that Corey has offered us, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 275. Until next
0: time, this is Pam Harper. And Scott Harper. Wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to think about and discuss with your team. How can we support our vision for creating a better world? by igniting even more effective conversations around gender equity.
2: Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.